something. It's like a podcast, but it's a vodcast, so you can listen and watch. It's like news talk or sports talk, but it's life talk, so we can walk the road together. On today's show, we talk about taming comparison with Sandra Stanley, writer, speaker, mom, and wife of Andy Stanley, founder of North Point Ministries. Thanks for joining the conversation. Here we go. Wait, hold on. We're starting over. I forgot to hit record. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're my friend. I love you, (laughs) Sandra Stanley is an author, blogger, speaker, and mom of three grown children and wife of Andy Stanley, founder of North Point Ministries. She's also a foster mom who's learning and stretching and trying to figure out how to best love on little hearts that need healing. Find Sandra at sandrastanley.com. So, okay, we're starting over. Take two. Beep. We're scooting back. All right, so welcome to Say Something. We have our great, sweet friend, Sandra Stanley. And she is, um, she, like me, spent a little bit time in in the comparison, contentment uh, waters. And so, Sandra, I would love to know, when when you were looking through all that for your book and your series called Comparison Trap, was there anything that surprised you? Yes, we um, we did a huge survey before we started out our research team, and um, we interviewed tons of women. Did a survey, different seasons of life, different age categories, and all of that. And the thing that, the, that surprised me the most was that none of us compare ourselves so much to movie stars or magazine cover women or people on TV. We really compare ourselves to the people closest to us, like our friends, really? our roommates, our sisters, our sisters-in-law. Those are the people we compare ourselves to, and that's why it's so dangerous, because mm, those are wow. our closest relationships, and it can erode relationships. So wow. Easily. Isn't that interesting? And they're real. It's not like a fake person. Yeah. They're real. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Did you did you uncover why we might be more prone to do that? Well, I think they're our real life. I mean, these are the people that are orbiting our world daily. They've got kids sometimes the same ages as our kids, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're in the same season of life as we are. And those are the people we just tend to kind of compare to because we're kind of running on parallel tracks. And um, and it's hard not to sort of gaze to the left, gaze to the right, and um, see how we're measuring up, you know, to everybody else. Yeah. I think that's the reason the people in on the tabloids and on the magazines and in the movies, you know, they're kind of, we know they're airbrushed, you know, we, yeah. we know enough nowadays to know that. So these are the people in our real life. Do you think there were trigger points that you found? You know, it really, yes, I think there's some specific ones and I think they're sort of season of life. Um, okay. Specific. Yeah. Um, I know for me, my hardest season with comparison was when my kids were sort of finishing up high school and moving toward where am I going to go to college or where am I going to get in? Oh, interesting. Or, you know, those kind of things because we love our kids so much yeah. and we want to see them succeed and it's so hard not to compare them to other kids and that, that was just the hardest one for me. What was the hardest for you, Karen? Well, I, I think I'm in my hardest season right now. I uh, My oldest is 13, and so we're just entering those teenage years where yeah. really everything about it is kind of wonky, and, yeah. uh, you know, oh, he's trying to find himself. I'm trying yes. to figure out how to parent through it. I'm not yeah. sure any of it right now is seamless uh, or easy, and uh, it just feels hard, so I think... It's easy. It's easy to compare right now and to feel like everyone else is doing it better or their families are having an easier ride than we are. 
yeah. but I'm finding the more I reach out, we're 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 all sort of uh, well, drowning love, right now. I love now. the everyone thing. Isn't right. that the word that's like totally yes. thrown out there? Because you really do believe it's everyone. And so, do you think that anyone is immune? No, I do not think anybody is immune. I think some of us are more aware of it about ourselves than others. And that was actually another surprising thing that I found. I've had so many women come up to me in the last year or so and say, Sandra, I really didn't think this was an issue I had until yes. I started mm -hmm. this study or until I, you know, read a book about contentment or about comparison. And um, I, that kind of opened their eyes. And I think part of the reason for that is because this is sort of our human nature and what we live with every single day we don't necessarily feel and um and i think because it's sort of an everyday thing for all of us sometimes we're not as aware that we're doing it mm. until we're in a group talking about it and everybody's yeah. kind of sharing their story so that was um i don't think anybody's immune and that was another surprise yeah, I think, too, that people don't, what you said about someone not realizing they compare until they were in a situation that brought it up, I, I found that across the board. And, yeah. uh, and it was surprising to me because, and it's kind of gross, because once you yeah. shine the light on it, it's disgusting because it actually is everywhere. And It which, is, yeah. and it is disgusting because none of us, especially when we're believers, none of us want to think that we have that thing inside of us that wishes someone else would fail. Uh. It's actually what we're doing very subtly. Yeah. Mm. I think it's called schadenfreude. It's a, did you find that? That term schadenfreude is what it's called where we actually do want someone else to fail or to be hurt, which yeah, is fascinating. It's an, it's an insidious thing. And, um, and when we discover it about ourselves, it, it's, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> it is brutal. Especially when we consider ourselves, you know, we've been believers a long time and, and we're trying to keep our minds renewed and all of that stuff. And then those ugly things rear their head and we, either want to, you know, pretend like it's not happening or, or try to figure out how to deal with it. So, which is part of the reason you wrote your amazing book and the part of the reason we did the study. So, well, I think too, I, you know, when I was looking at it, I, it really does go back to the garden. That's what surprised yeah. me that comparison was the tool that was used to get their eyes off of everything that was good and onto themselves. That's exactly right. So if everyone is subject to it and, and you both saw that it was enough of an issue that you each wrote a book on it, what are some practical ways to get us through this issue or, or at least to find some peace in the midst of it? Well, you know, one of the things that I think, and, and this is a go-to for me for a lot of things, but particularly for comparison, it's really about renewing our minds. Mm -hmm. It's about renewing our minds in scripture. And I have one kind of um, go-to verse that's sort of my reset button. Mm -hmm. And it's on 139.16, you know, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And that's just sort of a reset button for me because I can so easily take God off the throne of my life and put me on there. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, Comparison becomes a problem along with a multitude of other things. But um, but I think when we compare ourselves to others or when we're discontent, what we're really subtly saying to the Lord is, I think I can do this job better than you can because mm -hmm. you dealt me a raw deal or, you know, you don't know what I need as well as I know what I need. And, and so we start sort of sort of replacing ourselves on the throne of our lives or replacing him on the throne of our lives and putting ourselves there. I think that's so detrimental. So renewing our mind in scripture. The yeah, other thing that so I think good. is a big deal, and Kay, you were so, you spoke about this so well, and that is celebrating other
yeah. those people that we tend to be comparing ourselves to, if we can get to the place where we can celebrate people out loud and on purpose, our heart catches up with our words. Mm. And um, I just think that's a very, very powerful thing. That's the old fake it till you make it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it actually works when we are saying those things to them because they are true. You know, right, you do we have to, yeah. Somebody, when, we, when we call out their, you know, great things that they're doing, these are true things. And, mm-hmm. and um, something happens in our hearts. It's, it's like when, you know, Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. Well, it's not because our enemies necessarily need our prayers. It's because Jesus knew what happens yeah. in our heart when we pray for yes. other people and especially those who've hurt us or who we might consider an enemy. And I'm not sure this is so different than that. There are certainly people we compare ourselves to are certainly aren't real enemies, but something happens to our hearts when we start praying for them, but also when we start celebrating them purposefully. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it may not be an enemy, and that's what's so sneaky about all of it, because it would be like, oh, well, an enemy looks like somebody that's attacking me. It, it looks so so right. ominous and it but it actually is an enemy because it's stealing from you you know it's making you slightly yeah. I, I feel like and I kind of tell my kids ad nauseum that when your eyes are on yourself that kind of is a death position because right. there's no life in that and so yeah that I thanks yeah. for bringing that up because I think that's that's really in the category it goes to but not in a negative way um right. in more of a, a compassionate way yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And and then I think there are t- excuse me, <clears throat> I think there are also times to apologize. You know, there, there are so certain good. people, I think of roommate situations yeah. or something, and we set someone up in our own heart, not out loud, but we set someone up as an opponent. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think when we go to them, it, Ooh, so you don't want to go to somebody and just, you know, confess all kinds of things they're not even aware of that can be detrimental to a relationship. But just to say, you know what? I have found myself comparing to you, un, you know, and it's so unfair to you. And I just want to let you know, I am going to be your biggest cheerleader. I mm. believe in you. I believe in what you're doing. And from now on, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. And and maybe just asking for forgiveness because so many times there is an awareness on the part of the other person. They yeah. just don't know how to bring it up. And, and it be- begins eroding that relationship. And I, I think that sometimes, you know, having a, an honest conversation with someone that we love, because again, it's usually people in our, you know, kind of inner circle that we do this with. I think that's healthy for the relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just, that's so scary. <laughs> it is scary. I mean, you're like making me the clip thinking about that. Oh my gosh. You know what though? I think it is scary, but I could see some beautiful things coming out of a so, conversation so like many. that. If, if you have a conversation like that and you're that vulnerable and honest with someone you love, yeah. I could see where that person would not only offer forgiveness, but would also find ways to support the unique ways that you are you and that you shouldn't be like them. I could see that right. being an affirming conversation. That's exactly yeah. right. And here's another thing that happens in those hard conversations. You, you, you know, you wonder how they're going to respond. And so many times you get a me too. Oh, it, that is so true. And that's such a powerful thing because the other person has probably, I mean, likely been doing the same thing. And it opens that two-way opportunity for them to also say, you know what? I've been doing the same thing because, again, this is human nature. And, again, no one is immune. So probably if we're doing with, doing that with someone, it's likely they're doing it too. And it just yeah. opens for, a, you know, kind of a two-way healing, not a one-way healing. Mm. Yeah, the me too. It's 
so true. But so if you could, I love the new thing they have online right now about a message to your younger self. You know, I just think they're, I think yeah. it's neat. And so if you could, what would you say to your younger self? Wow. Um, I think 50 year old Sandra would say to like 25,000 relationships. And I think that's what I would say, the stuff, the things that we tend to pursue, the things we're going after, the things that consume even yeah. our thoughts, mm -hmm. all of that stuff really just dissipates. But what matters and what stays and what's most important are our relationships, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, our relationships with the most important people in our lives. And anything that hinders those are mm. things that need to go. That's what I would say to younger Sandra. All right, mm. younger. Which one do you think, of the relationships, which do you think are the hardest? The hardest to, to maintain? Like, to be that authentic with, you know? Yeah. Um, do you, you know, think it's family that's the hardest? Do you think that's well, the easiest? Well, I think sometimes you... family. I think it really, I think it's different for everybody. Probably. Um, you know, it just sort of depends on your, your background and where you've been and the mm -hmm. families you've come from and all of that. But I know that the hardest relationships to heal usually are within the family. And those are the ones that are going to go the long distance and they right. really are investing in. Why do you think they're the hardest? Do we take them for granted? Well, I think we do. And I think, you know, we're known so well by the people oh, in our family. Great point. And so a lot of times when we come to them or when we've changed or when we've grown, maybe they're kind of looking at you like, yeah, well, I know the real you. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, maybe they don't believe us that we've made some progress. I don't know. But, but it just seems like those family relationships tend to be sometimes the most complicated. Okay. So thank you for that. I think that's. I think it's all so good in your in your process progress and process with this minute with just even the materials that y'all have put together what's been the biggest surprise on the other side on the other side um it probably oh you know what I'll tell you what it's been did you know you can go on Amazon and you can scroll down a little bit and see where you rank with your book <laughs> yeah so you got a book on comparison trial, yes. and then you go to Amazon and you scroll down there and compare yourself to everybody else. That is That's so funny. I've still got some work to do. I love it. I love it. I know that that those little measurement marks don't help. The social media I know right. really doesn't help that environment. Right. And uh, yeah, our, and that's probably another thing. Um, since all of this has come out, talking to women. Our awareness factor is, all, you know, off the chart now with social media mm -hmm. and um, and just with how easy it is to access anything on the computer um, as far as information and all that. Our awareness is off the chart mm -hmm. and awareness drives our discontentment. Um, and so that really has been a huge thing to kind of try to wrap our minds around um, as it relates to all of this contentment comparison stuff. So. Do you yeah. think, do you think, Sandra, that, that there's an issue at all um, for women in just uh, giving ourselves grace? Do, do women have a, diff a more difficult time giving ourselves grace, accepting it, and just being okay with who we are and where we are? I think so. I think in general, um, I think women tend to, um, you know, we, we don't, we don't, put things in a box maybe as well as men do sometimes mm. and so we feel the need to deal with things um where men may not necessarily they just kind of can move on a little easier mm. and especially relationally um, right. yeah i, I think, think we're so 
so wired for relationships that I think um, I think we do tend to feel like maybe we need to get on top of this um, maybe more than men do. I don't know. Okay, so on that. if you had a charge, our friend Brenda loves to like give a charge. You know, like a charge, like go do something. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. if you could give one just for the viewers and the listeners, just as they go through their day, and what would be your charge? Wow. You know, I think I think maybe what I would say is um, identify the areas where you see this being an issue. So identify the problem. Find some scripture that just can be a reset button for you to renew your mind when you're in the midst of difficult situations, comparing yourself or, or feeling um, discontented in whatever season you might be in. Um, so, you know, identify it, find some, some, some scripture that can help you renew your mind and be committed to making the relationships around you, your relationship with your Heavenly Father and your relationship with the most important people in your life, the priority. And anything else, anything that kind of infringes on that, those are the things you need to root out and root them out quickly. Um, that's what I would say. Okay, that's a good word. That's good. What's on your docket right now? What are you working on? We're actually working on another four-week study, and this one is one that is so... Um, near and dear to my heart is called breathing room and mm, breathing room is that. that is that space between your current pace and your limits and so we're going to mm. talk about developing and keeping that that margin um in this study and i mm. think again for women this is such a big thing yeah and we've got so many opportunities to pour into so many different things and we very very quickly minimize that margin and um make everything around us start falling apart isn't that mm -hmm. the truth yes okay and that's more of my real heart life yeah. message especially to young moms mm -hmm. um so I'm, I'm having a really good time with this one. Oh, that's so good and when can we expect that we hope it'll roll out maybe around christmas <gasps> yeah i love that do some filming of the videos this summer and get it get it going well, that's the perfect time with all the crazy busy, as is May, which is where we sit right now, which is right. where I really think comparison runs rampant in May. <laughs> I think it does too. Yeah, May, really. Yes. May, is, May to me is a harder month than December. It's busy, it is. It's hard. It's transitional in so many ways. So, um, yeah, it's a one. I know, and there's no presence on the, yeah, you know, at the end. Right. It's just like, it's just craziness. There's no Christmas morning There's coming. no Christmas morning. Right. But summer is coming. But summer is coming. It's like, Sunday's right. coming. That's summer's right. coming. Goodness gracious. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, Sandra, oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you thank so much. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks for Spur of the Moment and just for playing. Sure. All right, Sandra. To be continued. Okay. Bye. Bye.